Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. Radio Network. Hey, what's up, you guys? What is going on, everybody? What up, fam? Hey, it's me. What up, oozes? What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling? Then look no further. Wrestle Addict Radio brings you a varied source of wrestling content. What's going on, guys? This is Willie T. My name is Mr. Pratt. This is your resident smart slayer. Search for Wrestle Addict Radio on all major podcast platforms and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast and you are listening. 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 Get ready for a war because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up, everybody? This is Katie Ricky Rose and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Radio, 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 radio. You are now tuned in to the world's greatest. Tonight is the night. What is up, you guys? This is indeed the Game Changer Podcast, part of Wrestle Attic Radio. Be sure to use the hashtag ProTalkWrestling because we are two pros that talk about wrestling. I am Nate the Effing Great, and I'm being joined here by the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. He is indeed the Bret Hart to my Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is indeed the one and only Mr. Fretz. How's it going, good sir? It is me, it is me. It is the night. It is the night shift king. It is the man with a thousand and four gimmicks. Shout out to you, Dusty Dave, your favorite Canadian, the sole representation of Canada on Wrestle Attic Radio, Mister Fretz. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Legendary JF, uh, Facebook Fretzelmania, Wrestle Radio, cheap plug. You know the drill. Yeah, we love doing cheap plugs, and for good reason. So. Normally, we actually talk a little bit about some of the weekly stuff that happens throughout the week of wrestling, but you know something, guys? It is indeed the eve of Extreme Rules, and by the time we also get this uploaded, the uh, Fight for the Fallen event will have already happened, so uh, hooray or bollocks, depending on how good or bad the show was. But we're giving our predictions for not only Extreme Rules, but we're also doing uh, Fight for the Fallen, and we are also going to be covering... Two episodes of Raw that were indeed game changers. Oh, trust me, we are going to be definitely talking about one of the biggest game changers in wrestling history. Going through the list, and guys, I'm telling you this right now, you definitely want to listen into this podcast during the month of August. I've already made the announcement that I am creating the show known as the Wrestling Anniversary Show. Yes, WAS was, I don't care. It's no longer a working title, I'm keeping it still the same. 
So I've already talked to people about doing interviews. It's going to be a lot of fun. I've already talked to a lot of people about doing shows. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Francis and I, we are actually working on some very special episodes of the podcast you definitely will not want to miss, including some very interesting subjects that have definitely been discussed, but I don't think have really been put into a lot more detail than the fact that, oh, this happened. Let's move on. So definitely tune into that. Also, I need to make this announcement, you guys, that the Game Changer Podcast is indeed a sponsor for a local show here in Wisconsin. ACW returns to Tanner's again. Well, it's happening on July 21st, you guys, and the main event cannot be any more bigger. A triple threat ladder match for the ACW Water City Championship. The all-night highlight, Peter Schwantz taking on Adam Grace as well as TW3. These guys fought against each other at WrestleCon. It was an awesome matchup. Now you can expect it to be absolutely amazing. And I'm going to try to hopefully see, maybe we can get a Game Changer exclusive to possibly have that match posted up on our Game Changer page. You never know. It's just one of those things you you got to watch out for. Looking forward to what happens in the next month. Anyway, let's get into talking about... Raws. No, not the Raws that we have been experiencing because, let's face it, they're kind of like a roller coaster. Sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down. Let's just go into the ones, like I said before, we're going back in time. This is in January 4th of 1999. Now, why is this date so important? Well, it definitely was a huge, huge game changer in the Monday Night Wars and it definitely has one of the most memorable as well as iconic moments that definitely put everything into motion to get WWE back on the horse and definitely cre- create some very memorable matches from here on out. So, uh, the matches on here are pretty standard. And I'm actually going to save uh, a couple of them to go to kind of tie into the conversations. Uh, ironically enough, last episode that we talked about, Featured uh, Steve Blackman and Ken Shamrock as partners. First thing we see is Steve Blackman versus Ken Shamrock fighting off against each other. The minute the minute I saw that, I was like, well, that's kind of ironic. That's kind of funny. Less than a year of these guys teaming up. Now they're opponents. This will be very... Like, Ray, day. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was just one of those moments I was like, okay, well, this is kind of interesting. Um... So, during this matchup, uh, Billy Gunn actually came out, and he actually distracted Ken Shamrock. This, of course, would evolve into a match between the two of them at the Royal Rumble a couple weeks prior. And, hey, guys, we did a review on that on that Royal Rumble event. Cheap plug for that. Uh, Steve Blackman actually picks up the victory on Ken Shamrock. That kind of... That was kind of a shock. I was just like, oh, uh... That was interesting. Okay, I'll, I'll work with it. I mean, I still kind of want to see these guys go at each other more. Maybe they have. Uh... But, you know, it was a great way to start off the night. Then we get into the weird stuff, because we had Mark Henry versus Goldust, and Mark Henry defeated Goldust via disqualification, mainly because China came out, and she decided to, yep, introduce her friend to Mark Henry. You know something? If you know where the storyline goes through... We don't need to cover anymore. We're ju- we're just gonna leave that one go. Just you know, just get this out of our memory. We're we're it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's 2019, Nate. <laughs> yes, it is 2019. We're we're I'm 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 not. I don't want to touch this. I don't want to touch this. I'm, I was gonna 
quote something from this, but if you know this storyline, you know what I'm going to quote from Mark Henry. Move on. <laughs> oh, God. Don't say oh, it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God, I have it in my head now. That's horrible. Yeah, if, if Willie T was on this show right now, he would just blurt it out. <laughs> oh, gosh. Shout out to Willie T. Also, F you, Willie T. I'm just saying that right now because we know you would blurt it out. Uh, the Godfather and Tess had a match which ended in a double DQ. Uh, oh. Kind of, yeah, that was kind of interesting deal. Uh, we had Edge taking on D'Lo Brown, and it ended in a no contest, another bit of a shock. Um, we had Kane versus the Stooges, Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe. And I will say this, that one of the things that was a highlight throughout this whole deal was the fact that uh, Briscoe and Patterson were just really kind of being goofy around Kane, actually to the point where they actually had a sign put on Kane's back, which was the... Uh, the Briscoe Body Shop, I believe it was. Just like a little <laughs> advertisement for the Briscoe Body Shop. I know. It's just, oh, oh, God. And literally, after this all took place, they basically were put into this matchup to the point where it's like, okay, these two old men are going to die. And that's literally what we saw. We saw Kane literally kill two old men in the ring. There didn't even need to be a decision in this. It's like, we knew Kane was going to destroy them. We don't need a winner or a loser in this. I don't care. We don't need it. Oh my gosh. We had the Road Dog defending his hardcore title against Al Snow. Damn yes. it. Why, why couldn't have Al Snow have won? The Road Dog picked up the victory. And it does also kind of question a lot of things where it's like, uh, why couldn't they have kept Road Dog as the hardcore champion? Why couldn't they have had Billy Gunn continue the IC deal? This is really weird for me. I don't know what's going on. Um, I love these matches, Nate. I absolutely love these matches. Oh, gosh. But trust me, friends, we haven't even scratched the surface yet because now we get into what made this show so historic and so game-changing. So it actually kicked off with Vince McMahon coming out. He basically talks about, hey, I fired Shawn Michaels, and I'm going to make sure that anybody who allowed Shane McMahon to get the living crap beat out of him, they're going to pay, and blah, 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 blah. Out comes Shawn Michaels, and he has backup in the form of DX. I guess it's one of those things where they mention it. It was like, well, hey, I guess DX has kind of forgiven Shawn for turning their back on him. It was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, Shawn cost X-Pac the chance at the WWE title against The Rock. It was just like a super kick deal. Okay, it was. it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, that's kind of minor. And I will also say this. This is kind of an interesting side note. That it's very interesting to see that X-Pac has probably been a part of two highly anticipated uh, WWE title matches on a Raw. Him versus The Rock was one of them, and his other one was when he was a certain uh, kid, per se. Yep, one, two, three, and he faced off against, well, I mean, we mentioned him before, he faced off against Bret the Hitman Hart for the title. So oh, yeah. Yeah, so Xbox has actually got a pretty good rep when it comes to Raw WWE title matches. I mean, he hasn't won, but... You know, it's still the fact that he's gotten two shots on two separate Raws. That still says a lot. So basically, Sean has stated that I have an ironclad contract, which, you know, I guess means more than what it does nowadays, to say the least. Um, basically, he sa- says, well, we know that Stone Cold is going to be number one, but I am revoking the fact that you are the number 30 spot and you're going to be number two. To which Vince is just like, oh, shit. This man just ruined my life. But I will say that one of the things that does 
come out of this that I love were those, like, sketches where he's basically training for the Rumble. He's trying to get his endurance up. Uh, one of them does involve him chasing a chicken. For those of you that are curious as to why, to why the, years later, he had a shirt dedicated to him that said, Vince loves a rooster. That might be one of the reasons why. I'm just uh, saying. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not touch that with a 10-foot um, non-phallic word. Well, okay, fair enough. But, you know, it was still a really good way to start off, start off. And, hey, you got Shawn Michaels back with DX, which was kind of surreal for me. It was one of those things where I'm like, huh, so he did actually kind of come back to work with DX when he was kind of out injured. Huh, it's kind of cool. Uh, later on during the show, we actually get a great promo by uh, Mankind, who basically sa- who basically talks about how, you know, he deserves a title shot, he deserves it at the Royal Rumble. Uh, he even indicates to a fan who has a, a sign-out that says, you know, Foley is God. He says, well, you know, I noticed that this fan has a sign that says Foley is God, although it's missing one one letter. Even though Foley's not God, he's still pretty damn good. As well as things was like, okay, so he literally kind of made himself seem so humble. That's what made him even more cool. It's like, okay, he's he's not one of those guys that's on a high pedestal. He just literally says, I'm pretty damn good. I'm not God, but I'm pretty damn good. It's like, okay, I can at least admire this. He's he's modest, at least. So, unfortunately, Vince and Shane just decide, you know what? No, you're not getting a title shot, but we'll give you a shot to fight in the Royal Rumble, provided that you can beat Triple H. So, we have a nice little matchup between Triple H and Mankind, but of course, shenanigans, because Shane McMahon is the guest referee. He does his fast count on Mankind, costing him the shot at the Royal Rumble. And Triple H even has like a... This is before, I think, burial Triple H, where he just uh, says, Dude, you have to remember that you know business is business, and I am not going to let you know anything stand in the way between me and getting a shot at the WWF title. Uh, Ken Wesley was like, well, he's kind of a dick. Great. But then he says, oh, one more thing, Mankind, Happy New Year. He pedigrees Shane McMahon, and he says, he's all yours, leaves the ring, and boy, oh boy, I could just see the grin on Foley's face when he sees this. He just decides, you know what, I'm going to basically try to cripple Shane McMahon. And he talks about how he learned this move in, like, I don't know if it was, like, a foreign country or something like that, but he has almost like what was Batista's... uh, submission maneuver when he did that later on in his career. He had a variation of he had a variation of, of that. Rings of Saturn, right? It's something like that, yeah. He kinda locks that in and he says, I will break his arm if you don't give me what I want. I want a title shot. I don't want it at the rumble. I want it tonight. And Vince is like, okay, fine, fine, you got it, you got it. He's like, oh, one other thing. I also want it to be no DQ. And Vince's like, alright, fine, fine, you got it, you got it. So he basically Gets a title shot in the main event against The Rock, no DQ, and I will say this: that it also ties into the whole you know Vince McMahon uh, uh, punishing Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson because they were there when Mick Foley was beating up on Shane McMahon the previous week, and they did nothing. Well, technically they probably couldn't do anything because they got the crap beat out of them by Mick Foley, but Mick Foley is God. Sorry, Mick Foley is really damn. It's pretty damn good. <laughs> so that's kind of where that kind of came from. So we go into the main event: The Rock 
versus Mankind for the WWF Championship. Now, I would love to talk about the entirety of this matchup, but this matchup cannot be justified until you reach the end of the matchup. Because we see Mick Foley hit a double-arm DDT on The Rock. He grabs Mr. Sacco, and it looks like we're going to get a repeat of Rock Bottom. He's got the mandible claw in, and it looks like we're going to get a submission, but nope, here comes the corporation. Here comes Ken Shamrock. Boom! Steel chair to Mankind's back. Here comes Billy Gunn, all of DX. We see a great, you know, DX versus corporation brawl taking place. The crowd is just going nuts. They're like, oh, yeah, we're seeing these guys battle against each other. It's going crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great, it's great, it's great. Nothing can make this better. Glass shatters. Out comes Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is the surprise that Shawn Michaels had mentioned earlier in the night. Sorry, guys, I forgot to mention that Shawn Michaels planned a Stone Cold surprise. But Stone Cold comes out, people are cheering, people are going crazy. Stone Cold, he just picks up the chair. Rock gets a vicious chair shot to the head. And Stone Cold grabs Foley, puts him on the rock. One, two, three. Mankind is the new WWF champion. And the crowd is just absolutely going bananas, going bonkers. DX is just lifting them up on their shoulders, and they're just pointing at them. They're doing everything like that. And even Mick Foley does, kind of breaks character. He says, I want to just say to the two little people at home that, that, that I did it. And it's just an awesome deal, of course. I believe that he was mentioning uh, Huey and Noel. That was just a great moment. And I remember this. So, actually, there, during the, a Monday Night War uh, deal, he actually remembers... Uh, winning the title, bringing it home. The kids were just holding on to it. They were running around with it. They were just super excited about it. It was just one of those things where we see you know, Mick Foley saying, hey, I did it. It took me so many years to do it. This was just an absolutely great moment. And of course, it kind of almost became bittersweet for him because of one thing. Because a certain person in a certain company decided to try and use McFoley's career defining victory as a little stepping stone on their show. He decided to say, well, we understand that McFoley, who wrestled here as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. Huh! That'll put bucks in the seats. And boy, was that the worst thing that he could have possibly said. Because so many fans were very into Mick Foley. They remember him as Cactus Jack. Hell, had they not mentioned the name Cactus Jack, I think it would have been a different outcome. But because they mentioned that, so many fans actually switched over from Nitro to WWF Raw to see the title match. They wanted to see the main event of Nitro, but to hear that their boy, Cactus Jack, has won their world title, that meant a lot to the fans. And of course, guys, this was going to be the last time that Nitro would ever have any advantage against Monday Night Raw. Because after that moment, Nitro started slipping. And let's not even go into 2000, right, Nitro. God help us, that was infuriating. And I will tell you guys this, that I do believe our good friend Mr. Mance on Gifted Podcast has definitely been talking about 2000 Nitro. So if you want to understand our pain and suffering, go check out his podcast, The Gift of the Podcast. 
to understand the pain, the burden, and absolute garbage that 2000 Nitro was. But I've done a lot of talking. Mr. Fretz, your thoughts on this whole this whole night and how historic was it for Monday Night Raw? Oh man, that I remember it like it was yesterday and it was and it's already been this was 20 years ago. Like I I, I cannot even fathom how how that's been it's been 20 years now, but we had just everything in here from you had Triple H and you had your corporation and and Steve Austin the Kane versus Pat Patterson and Briscoe, it was just hilarious because they had this whole thing with uh, Kane was supposed to be commissioned and sent to the uh, the insane asylum, and I think there was a bit of a storyline about it in in the Royal Rumble where they tried to get him in a straight jacket, and he's like, nope, you're going to get a choke slam. Uh, how young Edge and D'Lo were at this point in time... Uh, Road Dog and Al Snow, like, I absolutely adored everything with the hardcore title at this point, and it only got better because we had Bob Hawley and the Big Boss Man getting tossed into the mix eventually, and then uh, the main event, it it put butts in the seat, man. It it, it, it took the words, Tony Schiavone, uh, he took the words right out of our mouth, and the pop in the main event when Steve Austin came out, I think to this day is still one of the loudest pops I ever heard on WWE TV, ever. Yeah, you had just it was just the ultimate, uh, the ultimate niche in the storyline. You had mankind as a bit of an underdog going up against the Rock. Okay, you've been screwed at the Survivor Series. You got screwed at uh, was it the Rock Bottom pay per view? Okay, enough is enough. When Austin came out, like, the fans just start going apeshit because they know, okay, Rock, we hate you. You're about to lose the title. Uh, Mankind, you're about to have the moment. Austin's going to hand it to them. And the whole thing, oh, Adrian, I did it. Oh, yeah. Right, 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 right the heart, man, right here. Just the, the feels. Uh, Mankind was always someone I, I loved watching. Like, even when... Uh, he started out as a heel in 96. I'm like, I like this guy. This guy's weird, but he's really cool. And then when he ended up being kind of a, a bit of a comedy guy, me being a uh, awkward comedy, you know, awkward, funny guy myself, you know, Mankind, Rick McFoley really resonated with me at this point in time. I just loved him. This was one of the, I think, one of the best Raws from the Attitude Era. No, it de- definitely was. There's no doubt about that. And it's definitely one of those shows that I wanted to cover because it was absolutely very well done. Everything from the storytelling, everything from the build-up. It just really set the pieces together for one of the greatest moments in Raw's history and one of the defining moments in the Monday Night Wars. So it was really good to watch this episode. And, you know, even though I never got the chance to actually watch this live, Watching it on the network was just still having me feel all the nostalgia. It's like, man, some of these matches are really good. I mean, even some of the matches that ended with, like, you know, the double DQ or the no contest or something like that, I didn't care. It was just like, because I know what's coming. I know what's coming later on. I know what's going to happen. And even with, you know, some people say, like, well, this was shitty, this was stupid. It's like, yeah, but the final deal made it all worth it. And even, and even there was there were some gems like you said 
you know, the Road Dog versus Al Snow in that hardcore match. That was great. Seeing Kane versus the versus Briscoe and Patterson. You know, far be it. Some people might say that was a waste of time. It was a it was entertaining. Shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> um, but you know, I think if you had like one negative deal, we're just gonna say that. Uh, let's just Mark say that, 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 that. Yeah, we're just gonna say Mark Henry, dude. There's a reason why you dropped that sexual chocolate gimmick. And it'll come probably within the next few weeks. So, all right. We go into now talking about a show that I did get a chance to actually watch live. And this was definitely within the peak of my nostalgic, you know, fandom deal. And that is, of course, talking about one and only Raw Homecoming. Raw Homecoming occurred on October 3rd, 2005. And it took place at the All-American the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. You cannot plan a bigger Raw if you're planning it in Texas, and it definitely showed. So, basically what this was all about was that Raw had been on Spike TV for, I want to say, a couple years, something like that, and they made this a big deal to where, you know, Raw Homecoming, this is where it all began, the USA Network, you know, where there are right now, and trust me, we're going to have some nitpick moments during this Raw, because there's some moments where we're just like, okay, well, where is this? Where's, where is this? Um, but yeah, they do like a countdown timer at the start, they do a video package saying like, you know, all the power is back, we're going back to Raw, we're doing all this stuff. We had JR, Jerry Lawler, and the coach on commentary. So, this was one of those moments where it's like, okay, this will be kind of this will be kind of cool. We definitely are kind of used to these guys. Even when you were part of it for Spike TV, you kind of understood that, okay, they're trying to basically trying to hone Coach as, like, the next big thing. They've already got Jerry Lawler kind of doing his thing. And we kicked off with, well, what a shock, with Mick Foley. He comes out and he, and he basically says, well, it's kind of weird that, you know, I get to introduce the host of the Piper's Pit, but you know what? It's totally fine because he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best legends of all time. He is Roddy Roddy Piper. Oh, jeez, the my yeah. We both we both have the same reaction. You can't see it, but we're both just holding our hearts, seeing Roddy Piper on Piper's Pit with Mick Foley. Oh, it was beautiful, and it just tugs at the heartstrings. Thank, yeah, no, dude. I, I I just have to say, over the the wrestlers we've lost in the past. I'd say decade. Piper's was the one that hit me the hardest. No, I agree. And and, and there 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 is more than a few reasons behind it, other than him just being absolutely nostalgic. Uh, Roddy Piper is born the same year as my father. Really? And at, yep, nineteen fifty four. And at this point in time, my dad was having some serious health problems, and uh, I I didn't know what what he, he he's alive today. Uh, but I didn't know what uh, what was going to happen to him. So when that happened, I'm just like, oh. And I saw it, like, it was like 1954, so I'm like, okay, done. Okay, I'm out. Uh, long story short, it was just, it's just compl- he had complications from, he had a bout with cancer a, a while ago. Like, he was in the hospital the day of 9-11. That's how long ago it was, right? So wow. that's also his birthday. Man. Um yeah, and I, I was in Toronto that day, and everyone's just like, oh, don't go to Toronto. Something's going to happen to the Sierra Top. Well, I'm not going to get into that, but anyways, um, 
uh, yeah, that that one it, it it hit hard because of that, and because you know Piper is just so damn good. Even when he had his little, uh, he had a brief run in TNA, and he was a bit of a a bitter bitter man. He was like went and called Vince Russo a murderer to his face. Like, oh, you killed Owen Hart, eh? And it, okay, it, I have his first autobiography on my bookshelf over there, and it is scathing. I mean, at this point in time, thankfully, Piper was kind of, um, I'll say he was better. Maybe he was getting, uh, I don't know if he was getting help or if, I think later in life he became a a Christian, if I'm not mistaken, and he was just always so happy when he saw him on TV, even when he was getting, like, Simone spiked by Umaga. Like, he was, you could get it right here in the heart, man. Mm Mm-hmm. No, no, I definitely do agree. Um, so during this segment, we basically have Rowdy Piper asking the skate, ironically, the scathing question to Mick Foley. He said, "Hey, when are we going to see you back in the ring? When are we going to see Mick Foley? When are we going to see you back in the ring, competing and just you know giving us a lot?" He even got the crowd chanting, "Foley, Foley, Foley!" And Mick Foley is about to give an answer when out comes, "Hey." Nothing you can say. You can say. <laughs> yes. Or it's better entrance theme. Fight me. <laughs> Hashtag fight with the frets. Oh my gosh. So we see Randy Orton and about Cowboy Bob Orton. They come out. And basically all this is is Randy Orton comes to the ring. He basically puts down Piper. He says, hey, if it wasn't for my dad, there wouldn't be any Piper's pit. If it wasn't for my dad, you wouldn't be as famous as you are. And you should be thankful that, you know, that my dad is kind of the gentleman compared to me because, you know, I became the legend killer. He pushes Piper. Piper kind of does this, like, little weird, like, strutty deal, and then he just gives Orton a sock right in the face and just beats him down. Uh, we see, we see the, uh, like, a scuffle between the two of them. They get pulled apart. Piper's shirt gets ripped for some reason. Uh, then we see Randy Orton hit an RKO on Piper, hits the RKO on Foley, that se- segment ends with that, and it's basically a build-up for uh, Randy Orton because he and uh, his dad are basically battling against The Undertaker in a ca- handicapped casket match against uh, At No Mercy. And it was just that, that was just kind of what I think was going on for that. But, I mean, it's a really good segment, though, to really kind of start because you got the nostalgic of Piper and with Foley, but then you have the dickishness of the Ortons. Really all I could say about that. We see... Uh, Eric Bischoff basically saying that, hey, I understand that there's a SmackDown presence here, but you better keep your stars under control, otherwise we're going to have a problem playa. Uh, basically, Eric Bischoff's getting ready for his main event matchup against John Cena for the WWE title. Yes, you heard that right. We're going to get John Cena versus Eric Bischoff for the WWE title on this show. In all honesty, there's a lot to say about this. So, we go into the first matchup of the night, and it is a 30-minute Iron Man match between Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels. Now, basically, a little bit of a history deal here. We had Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 21. Really great matchup. Uh, Shawn Michaels came up short, tapping out to the ankle lock. Then we get the rematch that I think a lot of people were hoping was going to happen, and it did happen, thankfully, because of the WWE draft. It's one of those few times where it's like, oh my gosh, the draft actually benefited because we got something cool out of this. We got the rematch between Shawn Michaels 
and uh, Kurt Angle at Vengeance. Still a pretty good matchup. I still think that the WrestleMania one is the best one, but still really good. <laughs> and we get, uh, you know, a nice midair super kick by Shawn Michaels to uh, Kurt Angle's dome. Then we get this matchup here between Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle. This was a really good matchup. For 30 minutes, these guys just put it all on the line. Uh, Kurt Angle hitting a super angle slam to get the first pinfall victory. Shawn Michaels is able to combat back and get a victory roll uh, pin on Kurt Angle. Second fall, fall go, The third fall goes to Kurt Angle, who locks in an ankle lock, forcing Shawn Michaels to tap. Shawn is able to come back with a super kick, tying it up at 2-2, two to two, and these guys just laid it all on the line. We get a really good... Uh, nice, you know, back and forth deal, but it ends with Shawn Michaels hitting a super kick at the last final minute. He collapses on Kurt Angle. One timer goes off. Unfortunately, it ends in a draw. Oh gosh, it was so. It was one of those things where I hated that too, but at the same time, it's like, oh, this still was a really good matchup. It's just, it's just Iron Man rules. That's not something that they could really, you know. <laughs> that they could really control so much. But Shawn Michaels basically grabs a mic. He says, No, Dallas, what was that? Let's go to sudden death. Come on. He's ready to go. Kurt Angle's just like, You know what? I'm good. I'm going to go. So we don't get really a finale between uh, Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle until later on. Actually, I don't even think until, like, I want to say January, I think it was their last match with each other, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was. It was it was during a run, so... But, you know, it was still a great matchup. It was really cool to see Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle just literally putting on another great show. Absolutely loved it. Uh, they basically talk about how Triple H will be coming back and he'll be teaming up with his friend, the Intercontinental Champion, Ric Flair, to take on Carlito and Chris Masters. That is going to be a very, very interesting show. That's going to be a very interesting matchup. Oh, so much to talk about that. Uh, Lillian Garcia gets a chance to introduce one of the greatest legends of Dallas, that being Kevin Von Erich. Oh, the pop. Oh, the circumstance. Oh, the absolute wonder. And yes, Mr. Fretz is doing the claw. That was one of those things where he basically, he basically lifts his hands up, showing the claw. It's like, oh, somebody better get a claw tonight. Somebody better get a claw tonight. Vince McMahon is backstage. He's getting ready to make an address to the fans about WWE coming back, Raw coming back to USA. Bischoff says, hey, how about you make my match with John Cena a no-DQ matchup? To which Vince is like, huh, hmm, you know what? No. And they get a little bit of a spit-spat deal between the two of them. Vince basically kind of brushes it off and says, it's homecoming, it's time for me to go out and, you know, really celebrate with the fans. So we get this very huge, <laughs> overly done introduction by Lillian Garcia, who obviously, you listen to some of the things she says, you know, you know she's like, oh, she took on, you know, this man took on, you know, Ted Turner, defeated WCW, he created all these wrestlers. And then it gets even crazier, because when, he, when she reaches this line, it's so funny, because she says, he is strong, he is handsome, he is... Well endowed, and literally, I'm like, oh god, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's like, no, no. 
But yeah, Lillian introduces Vince McMahon. He comes out. He says, it's great to be back on here. Great to be back on the USA Network where, you know, it's going to be uncensored, uncut, everything like that. To which I'm literally like, huh. Well, that lasted about, what, a little while? I mean, to be fair, to be fair, I mean, you decided to go to the PG era and USA was not very keen on that. Now, were they? And you might have some troubles there. So, oh, man, I hope I really want them to go back to that whole ordeal, but we'll talk about that a little more later. Uh, Vince McMahon decides, oh, I'm going to take a shot at, shot at Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hey, remember when I pinned Stone Cold Steve Austin in the middle of the ring, got in his face and blah, 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 blah. Shows the footage. Then he tries, you know, putting down Stone Cold more. Doesn't really work out because glass shatters. Out comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. He comes out, he shows a couple clips of his own, including uh, Vince getting uh, beat up in the uh, hospital, him basically pissing his pants when he thought that Stone Cold had a gun pointed to him, and then, of course, the classic beer bath. Oh, gosh, this was just great seeing those moments. Vince is trying to start a new leaf, and Stone Cold's just like, no, I don't think so. Stuns Vince McMahon. He's celebrating. Out comes Shane McMahon. Doesn't even get a word in. Gets stunned. And literally, that's it for Shane. We see out next comes Stephanie McMahon, who basically tries to say, you know, why are you doing this? This is Raw, this is the USA, this is our show. She's trying to show, like, her, I guess, her new boob job or something like that. You cannot deny that literally you saw just a bunch, a couple of balloons in her chest, dude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. the boobies hit the floor! <laughs> no kidding. Holy crap. Um, but yeah, basically, Stone Cold kind of takes one of Stephanie's, I guess, advances wrong or something like that. Because he looks over, he sees Stephanie grabbing his hand, and he's just like, oh, I get it, you're flirting with me. And he basically says, why don't you give old Stone Cold a kiss? And he's got, you know, his eyes closed, he's got his lips ready to go, Stephanie with a slap, and Stone Cold's like, you know, I really wish you hadn't have done that. Then again, I'm kind of glad you did. Stun Stephanie McMahon. How comes Linda McMahon? Yes. Oh my gosh, that generic theme music. I had forgotten about that until that played. I'm like, oh. Oh, oh gosh, that's right. Oh, oh, WrestleMania. Get up, get up, get up, something, something, something. Get up, get up, something, something. Oh, man. That sounds like a song built for Vince. Get up, get up, get up, something, something. Stand back. <laughs> the genetic jackhammer's coming through. <laughs> oh, that can mean many things. <laughs> so Linda basically comes out. They they kind of address you know the fact that oh you stunned my son, you stunned my husband, you stunned my Stephanie, and <laughs> Stone Cold basically just addresses them all as pieces of trash, which was funny. Uh, Stone Cold eventually apologizes to Linda, which was kind of one of those things that not very many people liked, but it was like, you know, you kind of understand where it's coming from. We get a nice little uh, beer celebration with Linda and Stone Cold, but then she gets stunned. There goes that. We have a nice backstage deal where Vince McMahon is being taken off, and he just says, somebody's going to pay for this. Somebody's going to get fired for this. <laughs> and that's it for that. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, dear Lord Almighty. That just... And it ended up being a situation where it's like, hey, we're just going to fire Jim Ross again. If you don't believe me, look at the main event segment for next week, for the following week's Raw. 
But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about some more action. Dear Lord Almighty, do we get some good action here. Because the next matchup on here is a Money in the Bank matchup. Pitting Edge versus Matt Hardy. Build up for this. You basically know the story between Matt and Edge. Basically, you know, Lita cheated on Matt with Edge. So she and Edge were kind of a thing. Matt Hardy got punished and was released for it. He went to work with Ring of Honor for a bit, and then he came back. They had a kind of an anticlimactic match at SummerSlam, but then they followed up with an excellent cage match as well as a street fight. Uh, Matt Hardy got his win at Unforgiven, and you would think, like, well, that's kind of the end of the story. No. They decided, well, you know, one of us has to stay on Raw, one of us has to leave. So the main stipulation being here is that the winner will be the money in the bank holder, the loser has to leave Raw. Now, before we get too deep into this, I feel like I'm going to be a teenager for doing this, but good Lord Almighty, Lita, holy shit, was she amazingly hot during this entire deal. She had nice red top, cargo shorts, combat boots, literally one of those things was like, oh dear Lord Almighty, I have forgotten that, that literally age does not affect her. She looks absolutely tremendous. Holy shit. Uh, we get a, a really interesting start to this ladder match because Edge comes out, but then he kind of scurries off to the side. Uh, Lita kind of stands there on the rampway just looking at the entrance. Out comes Matt Hardy. Hardy is going out. Here comes Edge. He pushed, He basically knocks down Matt Hardy. He runs to the ring. There's a ladder pre-set up in the ring. Edge is just climbing up, and we're thinking, okay, is it probably going to be over? Nope, Matt Hardy's like, nope, we're not going to end it that fast. We get some really great moments. We get a nice table spot with uh, Edge hitting Matt Hardy through the table, but before that even happened, there's a point where uh, Lita hit Matt with the kendo stick, and Lita's trying to go again. Matt just grabs the kendo stick, and he's like, oh, you are not doing this to me, bitch. Grabs Lita, looks to powerbomb her, through the table, but Edge is able to save the day with the kendo stick, and that's where that table spot happens. We get a really nice twist of fate off the ladder. Oh my god, that... who Edge. I understand why you... Oh gosh, man. Just no... It's kind of one of those moments where it's like, if I had I known at that time the neck surgery and the neck problems that Edge had, I would have been like, oh, Edge, please. Lord, no. No more of these spots. Uh... Lita would end up kind of costing Matt Hardy the matchup. Matt Hardy seems like he's going to win. Ladder gets tipped over. Uh, Edge actually very strategically and very wisely ties up Matt Hardy's arms in the ropes so that way he can't get loose. And to add kind of insult to injury, uh, Lita actually gets in like this crucifix position on Matt's arm. She's like got her legs tied to the arms, holding his arms there. And it's kind of a very interesting deal. But it's one of those things where it is so, looking back at it, oh my gosh, it's so, so emotional to see that. Where Edge, he's just climbing up the ladder and Matt is kind of just looking on, helpless, as his career career on Raw, quote-unquote, uh, you'll see in like a few more years down the line with another draft, basically getting taken away from him and just, you know, Matt... Edge unclips the briefcase. He's just laughing at Matt's face. It's just one of those things where he's just like, ha, 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 bye, Matt, bye, buddy. And Matt Hardy is sent away, only to be 
of course, sent to SmackDown because, you know, when we have a Loser Leaves Raw deal, where do they usually end up going? Well, SmackDown. Yeah, and this was before we had NXT, so there was no way that was going to be another option. Although, if they or did, or or WCW, um, I think during this point they slowly would have gotten TNA going. Uh, that's that's a different story. Um, yeah, this is an excellent matchup. I think that this is a tie for match of the night with uh, the Iron Man match between Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle. But I mean, you have this really weird constructed. Uh, this weird constructed, you know, deal here where we have a nice little segment to start up with, then a match. Another nice segment, another really good matchup. So they're basically making this raw into something really amazing. So problem is, why is that not why is that same formula not working with nowadays Raws? Maybe you can shed some light on this, Mr. Fretz. Because those matches only were scheduled for one fall. One fall Sorry, Mike fell. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's because every match today is two out of three falls. Like, I woke up from my uh, pre-work nap about halfway through Monday Night Raw this week, and it's like, The Miz versus Elias, two out of three falls. Click, nope, nope. I'm just going to keep napping until my shift is about to begin, which I did. (laughs) Uh, Mm. And maybe because they think, oh, we can't have wrestling during commercial breaks. That's stupid. Uh, or, yeah, that's, that's why. Fair enough. So next up we have a segment between uh, Ash, the late great Ashley, God, bl- God bless her soul, and mm-hmm. the Hall of Famer Tristratus, where basically they're getting ready for the Braun Panties match. Uh, oh God. I, I am I am going to say this. This is probably the one time where I actually kind of accepted the Braun and Panty match deal. Uh, everything else beyond this, it was like, okay, this is stupid. This is really stupid. And I'll explain why when we get to the matchup. But basically, Trish and Asher are basically like, you know, is everything okay? Are they all good? Um, oh, God, I forgot that it turned out this way. Um, out comes Mae Young. She yes. basically is, she, she's basically just got, she's got like her own bra on. She's basically thinking like, oh, I'm going to be a part of this. And Ashley. Hey, bra and panties. Oh, oh, oh my God. Gosh. Love you, May Young. The <laughs> late, great May Young. Fucking love her. Oh, my gosh. So, so they basically get May Young out of their locker room. She basically is still kind of flaunting around with her, with her bra still out. Uh, basically. She go, She goes up to Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Jimmy oh. Snuka, and Ted DiBiase. And Ted DiBiase is literally like trying to be like, "Look, I'll pay you a thousand dollars just to put your shirt back on." And she's basically, and he's basically like putting more and more money towards this. It's just like, "Hey, I got five bucks right here." <laughs> <Let's> go, <baby. laughs> oh no! Trust, trust me. Trust me. It gets better because uh, Fabulous Mula. She comes in. She kind of breaks it up. She's like, "I can't leave you anywhere." She's almost like a mother, basically talking to Mae Young. Superfly Jimmy Snuka, he grabs the money from Ted DiBiase. He goes, brother, I'll pay you back. Sister May! Sister May! Sister May! And literally Hacksaw Jim Duggan's got his eyes closed. He's, he's kind of peeking out through one eye, but clevering it all up again. And Ted DiBiase is just like, oh my gosh, Jimmy, no. Why? So this was just one of those things where it's like, what the absolute hell? Just... <laughs> oh, you can okay. find you can find this on any you can find this on YouTube you somewhere, me. guys. It's funny. You me. <laughs> oh, 
forgot about this. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, yep. man. Oh, but then it gets better because uh, we get into an interview segment where Ric Flair is being interviewed by Maria, who's dressed up like a homecoming queen instead of a woman who basically likes to castrate her own husband. Trust me, we've already seen that enough. Uh, the greatest, greatest love I've ever <laughs> known. Until now. <laughs> it's just... Oh. Um, so, so basically, Ric Flair is just hyping up this fact that, you know, that Triple H is back, he's giving him all the credit, saying, like, oh, my career was just ending, I felt like I was nothing, but Triple H, he brought me back up, he made me the man I am today, he made me the Intercontinental Champion, Chris Masters, Carlito, you're in for a fight. So we get into the next matchup, which is a tag team match between Ric Flair, Triple H, Carlito, and Chris Masters. What a pop for Triple H. As soon as the game music hit, the crowd went crazy, and you even saw like there were points where Triple H is just just sucking everything up. He's just soaking all of the fanfare. <laughs> You're good. I had a feeling that was what's going on. Uh, he's basically just loving every single bit of it. Match itself was pretty good. Um, there's a point where Triple H wants to use the sledgehammer, but unfortunately that doesn't end up happening. Uh, Triple H goes for the pedigree on Carlito. Chris Masters, he wants to clonk him in the head with the sledgehammer, but Ric Flair is just like, not happening, chop block. Chris Masters is taken down, down, pedigree to Carlito. One, two, three. Triple H and Ric Flair pick up a victory here on Raw Homecoming. They're celebrating, they're happy. Triple H has a sledgehammer in hand. Oh, boy, people already knew where this was kind of going. So at the minute Ric Flair kind of turns around to see Triple H, bunk! Sledgehammer right to the skull. Basically, Triple H picks up where he left off after his uh, hell, before his uh, deal at Hell in the Cell with Batista. He gets absolute nuclear heat, beating him down, basically say, just you know, putting down Ric Flair. He's just basically saying, you know, you embarrassed me, you embarrassed me. And his promo, I think the following week, definitely kind of makes you sort of understand where he's coming from, but Elta said at the same time, it's like, this guy's a dick. Just, just, just shut up. Just shut up. Um, we see him beat down Ric Flair all the way to the backstage area. He even throws it into a limousine, and he just says, get that piece of crap out of here. He grabs a sledgehammer, crack one of the back windows, and the limo driver just is like, okay, shoo, just leaves the area. So, honestly, this was something that was a bit of a shock to me because I think that, you know, during that time, I didn't think that, you know, you could come back as a face and just that quickly go right back to being a heel. That was just, honestly, a, a legit shock. But it was a very well done, very well done moment. Shake of 2002 DX reunion. Oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. That's... That's insane, jeez. Because Triple H had just come back from uh, another quad injury. I think he got hurt at uh, New Year's Revolution earlier in the year. Oh, that's right. I think that. I think that's what yeah, happened. Yeah, so, it was an Elimination Chamber match, if I'm not mistaken. It, it might have been that. Um, but you know, it was still one of those things where we got some pretty good matches out of Ric Flair and Triple H. They would go on to fight up at Tampa Tuesday in a cage match. They would fight at. 
Survivor Series and a Last Man Standing match. Some pretty good matches and legitimately probably one of the most surreal moments of Triple H being the last man standing and doing like the whole finger point, gun point, boom. Almost like he's putting down old Yeller. Now that was the last match of Ric Flair's career. I think a lot of people would have just been literally just broken hearted. They would have been they would have been like, I hate wrestling now. You killed Ric Flair, damn it. You killed Ric Flair, you bastard. <laughs> Um, they try, they, I think they try to get more of a positive deal after that by bringing in all the legends that were surrounding. They have, you know, Mae Young, they have Fabulous Moolah, they have DiBiase, they have, uh, Von Erich, they have so many of these great legends in there, all headed up, headed up by Dusty Rhodes, you got it. Dusty is just talking about a lot of these great, you know, legends. He gets to Harley Race. And then we hear, just look just at me. Look at me. <laughs> Out comes your favorite. Everybody <laughs> wants to be like me. Just look at me. Randy Newman, everybody. Woo! <laughs> Randy Conway. Oh, God, that would have been a nice change up. <laughs> it's like that freaking bit on Family Guy. It's like, hey, it's like, yeah, this is a nice place. Except Randy Newman plays every, just plays everything he sees. Like, can you imagine Rob Conway having that theme song? <laughs> Just him going like... So Rob Conway comes out, and he basically does this deal where he's putting down all the legends. And we know what happens when you address the legends like that. You basically... This was the first of many situations where you put down a legend, you're going to get the crap beat out of you. So, but at least in this case, it was very entertaining. We had some great moments where we see, you know, Harley Race, we see Hacksaw Jim Duggan, we see Dusty Rhodes doing his classic, you know, bionic elbow... Then we see Von Eric locking in the claw. Everybody's going crazy. <laughs> it's an amazing moment. And then to top it all off, Superfly Jimmy Snuka with a splash from the top rope. Everybody kind of leaves happy. They throw out Rob Conway like he's absolute garbage. Really, it was a very entertaining moment. It's great to see all these legends again. Really cool to see the just everything happen. It's just really, it was just really great. Yeah, All right. leading up to the oh, sorry, Nate, to cut in, but leading up to this, uh, Rob Conway has kind. Of, this is when Sunday Night Heat was only on WWE.com. It's like, well, at least up in Canada, it used to play on Much Music, uh, MTV Canada, basically. Oh. Uh, it, it used it used to be on Much Music, and this is when you know Heat is only. Damn microphone again. <laughs> if, this, if this causes any audio problems on the pod, I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, my mic stand's a piece of shit. Anyways, uh, Conway was like uh, <clears throat> wrestling legends on Sunday Night Heat. Like uh, Greg Val, I think he beat Greg Valentine one week, and then the next week he was against uh, oh maybe Sergeant Slaughter or I know he faced off against uh, Coco Beware at one point. Yeah, Coco Beware is, was in the was uh I think he was in this segment or he was in the crowd 
for for this Monday Night Raw, and it's like, oh yeah, uh, I guess they want to have him be the next Legend Killer, but no offense to Greg Valentine, but if that's your uh, that's your bar, uh like I, I met Greg, he's he's an all right guy, uh, but if that's your bar, I mean, come on. <laughs> well, I I guess you can make the case that at least he started off at the low point and then went up. I I don't know. I don't know. I kind of lost myself when I tried to defend this kind of booking, but it's really weird that I kind of think that Heath Slater had a better chance of being a legend killer than Rob Conway, because at least he fought legends. He fought... He beat one. Who who did he beat? He he actually beat one of them. Doink the Clown. He beat Doink the Clown, and then he got diamond cuttered by DDP. (laughs) Yeah, that's because Doink the Clown was probably portrayed by the Brooklyn Brawler. (laughs) Who was probably in this group, and we just didn't see it. But he was probably Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. Who knows? Oh! I totally forgot about that guy. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, Major League Baseball, you need to go on strike again so you can get this character back. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, that, and that's one of those things that brings WWE back to the promised land. We have been brought back to the promised land of higher ratings, greater entertainment. And it's all thanks to one man, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. <laughs> Seriously, listen to Abe Knuckleball Steam. It's like some demented Earth 2 version of Take Me Up to the Ball Game. Like, it's so good. And, and yes, the Major League Baseball strike is literally the only reason that character existed. Uh, because, well, I think it was they lost the entirety of the 1994 season, which honestly could have, it was right after the. Toronto Blue Jays won back to back, and right. this could have been this could have been another year where the Jays could have three peated because they were that damn good. Mm-hmm. This year, uh, Vladimir. If anyone watched the home run derby, like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., holy shit, that guy! <laughs> if we have him on the team, I'm okay. But this is, as we say in Toronto, for like every team ever, it's a rebuild year. So fair enough. As long as the Yankees don't win, because fuck the Yankees. <laughs> well, I think I know, understand also why you're talking more about baseball than about this next matchup we're about to talk about. It's one of your favorite match stipulations. It's the handicap bra and panties match between uh, what was basically dubbed, I think, as like Vince's Devils, which, well, I think it was before they became this officially. It was, uh, no, I think they were still called this at the time. Yeah, whatever. The she, the she Devils, but without Terry. There we go. Um, we had Victoria, Tori Wilson, and Candice Michelle taking on Trish Stratus and Ashley. Ir- ironically enough, I think I've met every single person in this entire matchup, except for Tori Wilson. But that's because she got inducted the same weekend I was in New York, damn it. Oh. <laughs> she was supposed to be part of WrestleCon, but then it's like, oh no, she can't. It's like, yeah, because she's going in the Hall of Fame. Damn it all. <laughs> but, uh, honestly, you know, this was kind of like a very short matchup. There was a lot of points where, uh, you know, they did the whole freak out, like, oh, no, no, you see my bra, you see my panties, oh, no, humiliation. Um, th- there is literally a point, I legit laughed out loud, where, um, <laughs> where Ashley rips off uh, Tori's top, she reveals her bra, and Tori just has this, like, Victoria just has this look of, like, you know what? 
I'm gonna cut a bitch. She literally chases off Ashley. It's just that look of like, oh, really? Okay, let's play. She chases Ashley, gets clotheslined by Trish, but that moment there was like, okay, that's very entertaining. That's that's amazing. Um, we see a lot of like the whole, de- you know, there's some points where I think the Braun Pay matches are like, oh, these are lame. At least this one kind of felt legit because you a lot, heard a lot of the women when they're getting stripped, they're kind of screaming like, no, 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 don't. It's like, okay, at least this feels legit. At least they're kind of being like, oh, okay, it's a cause and effect deal. It's not one of those things where it's just like, oh, my 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 top's being taken off. I'm just going to struggle. That's it. No, they, they at least show emotion to it. So I at least give them credit for this. Um, Victoria got eliminated pretty early on after, like, a schoolgirl, which reveals her panties because of Tristratus. Um, Candace Michelle got eliminated not too long after... Uh, there was a point where we did actually almost get a wardrobe malfunction because when Ashley was trying to uh, strip Kenneth's uh, skirt off, I think she actually grabbed also the panty part as well. So you kind of see like a, a little more leg than what you would normally see. And I think we almost got a bare ass shot, which was like, oh boy, that would have been bad. Um, well, Candace Michelle did softcore porn just before this, so that, it's, whoever saw it knows. So that That is fair, that is fair. Also, she's very beautiful in person. I'm just going to state that right now. All right. Um, then, you know, Tori Wilson gets eliminate, eliminated not too long after. And that's about it for this matchup. It's, that is, it is what it is. It's one of those things where, yes, it's degenerative, but it also shows, hey, we're uncensored. It's cool. It's like, okay. That, uncensored that air quotes. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, after this, we get the whole deal with Kurt Angle and Eric Bischoff. They're talking. And Eric Bischoff is like, well, since Vince is not here, I'm in charge. So I'm going to make the match between me and Cena a no disqualification matchup. And he basically has this plan of, like, I only need the title for one night. The following week, week I'd be more than happy then to present it to you as the new WWE champion. Uh, we then go into a SmackDown tag team matchup. We get the team of, you know what, i got to get the list up because I'm going to botch it up somehow. Uh, we get JBL... Eddie Guerrero and Christian versus Rey Mysterio, Chris Benoit, and Batista. A pretty good tag team matchup, basically sh- showcasing what to expect at uh, No Mercy that Sunday because they were going to get JBL versus Rey Mysterio. Uh, Chris Benoit was defending his U.S. title at the time for in a fatal four-way between him, Christian, Booker T., and Orlando Jordan. Yeah, there's a name you probably didn't remember. And then we had the main event of Eddie Guerrero versus Batista for the world title. Before it even gets started, Eric Bischoff just says, well, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it right now. Stop it right now. We need to stop this matchup. It's going to be a lights-out situation. Oh, boy. Basically, it's a point where Eric Bischoff is just like, Oh, hey, you guys are look foolish in the dark. Let's go to commercial break. That's about it. So, yeah, we're getting a little bit of the Raw and Smack versus SmackDown deal. Kind of cool. Kind of nice. Then we go into the main event, Eric Bischoff versus John Cena in a matchup for the... Welcome back, Fretz. I know that there's a little bit of issue with the... I, uh, I think I just uh, disconnected there for a second. My apologies. It's my... Uh my shitty small town internet, so... Oh, okay. F- fair enough, fair enough. I was just talking about... The, all you missed was that 
You know, they had a six-man tag for uh, for SmackDown. That got canceled by Eric Bischoff because he's a dick. Just to give it more time for his match at uh, against John Cena, which is now no disqualifications. It's a very short main event matchup. I think there was, like, no doubt that Cena was going to win this. Wasn't going to win this. Uh, Kurt Angle tries to do, like, a chair shot to uh, John Cena but it kind of ricochets off the ropes and hits him in the face, kind of like Rock in the... It was either Royal Rumble or St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but it was very reminiscent of that. Cena hits the FU at the time, which is now known as the AA. One, two, three. Matchup's over. We see Kurt Angle and John Cena kind of brought out for a bit, but then, hold up, eliminated player! And Teddy Long comes out, he says, you've embarrassed us, you made us look like fools, so you know something, I see how you like to play, and that is gangster style. So I got some people here that are definitely going to want to play that. So all the SmackDown guys that were there, including a couple new faces, they had like people from the six-man tag come in, but also uh, Mr. Kennedy, as well as Randy Orton came out, they beat down on Kurt Angle, they beat down on John Cena, then we get some Raw people coming in, they go crazy, and that's how Raw ends with a Raw vs. SmackDown uh, situation. We see this quite a bit over the next few years, but this is one of the first few times where it was like, oh shit, this is getting good. <laughs> and honestly, I think it was the best way to end Raw Homecoming, was just ending it on a deal where it's like, hey, this is what you ex- can expect for quite a while. And in all honesty, it still got pretty good for the time being. But Raw Homecoming, definitely a game changer. They returned to the USA, they had some of their classic roots that they brought up with the violence, with some of the sexuality, with a lot of the storylines that were really good. I loved it. I, this is probably one of my favorite Raws of all time. It, Raw Homecoming. Yeah, I think it was alright. Oh, I had I had something lined up here, but of course... <laughs> when I got a text from my mom at the exact same time I was about to line up a joke. Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> She's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, the last time I actually saw this Raw was when it aired because I don't have the network because Canada needs to get their crap together and have the network be uh, on-demand service like Netflix. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm just going to turn off my sound. That's my text going off again. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so the last time I saw this is when it aired, but I still kind of vaguely remember certain aspects of it, especially the uh, the Triple H heel turn, which I think everyone on Earth saw coming a mile away. Uh, all the, 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 the whole thing with the Legends and Piper's Pit with, with Mick Foley. Uh, hearing about uh, Orton's old... Hey, theme that he absolutely despised just uh, brought a big smile on my face. The <laughs> matches between Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels, like they put on clinics. Like my my goodness, and I'm just scrolling through the rest of the show to see if I have anything uh, else to say about it. Like Carlito and Chris Masters, now there's a a great uh, mishmash of a team right there for you. Uh, McMahon, oh, the thing with McMahon's and uh, and Austin was absolutely hilarious. Loved it. <laughs> and, 
and we've got Edge, and, and you had like Edge and Matt Hardy. You know, there's a few that. Uh, a lot of people have uh, mixed feelings about uh, some of their matches were in, like their SummerSlam match that what was like some kind of no contest bullshit like and that's the first match from this brand new feud that was absolutely white hot and it's funny you mentioned Matt Hardy going to Ring of Honor uh, you know when he was coming out and attacking Edge and then the announcers just say nothing and and uh, no sell it. Matt Hardy grabbed like a life mic on Raw, and it's like, uh, he's like, uh, 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 Ring of Honor, uh, uh, something, something. It's kind of like, you know, Jim Cornette's just like, I have a live mic in the, in the producer's own Sandex, or something like that. I, that's the, the feeling I got out of it. Uh, I forget who Edge was wrestling. I mean, I mean, no, Matt Hardy was wrestling in ROH at this time. It might have been someone like, Maybe like Colt Cabana or James Gibson, because Jamie, I think Jamie Noble, James Gibson, I think he was the Ring of Honor champion at this point in time. Yeah, there's a there's a fun trivia note for him, and I think here's another one. I think this is true. If if not, someone correct me. But I believe Jamie Noble beat CM Punk for the for the ROH title. <laughs> right right before Punk came to the WWE, I think. I'm probably wrong about this, and maybe when we cover WWE CW, which is ironically not long after, no, it was just before this, yeah, because this is what, October of, oh five. yeah, this is right before Eddie died, actually. Yeah. Oh, Gosh. and and seeing May, like, May Young and the million dollar pastor, Ted DiBiase, oh boy, and yeah, big full circle moment, because Maria was, uh, is on shows now. And we saw Maria back here when she was like the bubbly, ditzy, what's her face kind of commentator. Uh, <laughs> right. Interviewer, like, uh, okay, I can go without remembering that. The Ric Flair Triple H thing was awesome, but I knew it was coming, like, right away. Uh, the less was said about the Braun Panties match, the better. Uh, six man tag was just nothing, and then we had. I thought this was the Raw where Eric Bischoff got tossed in the dumpster, but I think that's. Um, a little while after this, yep. Or is it? Or is it when Chris Jericho? Is it when he's wrestling Chris Jericho? Cena's wrestling Chris Jericho and Eric Bischoff, and then I think either one or both of them get tossed in the in the bin, and then you don't see Jericho for like two years. I don't know if I remember that. I do. I think that this is indeed the same year that uh, Bischoff would end up getting fired. I do. I do think that it happens later down the line. It might happen in like December or something like that. Because um, they had that like mock trial where, you know, Coach was the you know defense attorney and Mick Foley was the prosecutor and Vince was the <laughs> was the judge and of course people kind of knew it's like yeah we know that Bischoff's going to be fired you know let, but at least they tried to make it you know entertaining just <laughs> so much shit that happened during that trial deal <laughs> just Vince McMahon yelling at Coach for objecting he just goes shut up. I mean, overruled. Objection! Objection! This isn't Phoenix Wright. Get out of here. <laughs> Alright, guys. So that has been our two uh, game-changing Raws for this episode. You definitely want to tune in to next week. we got two more that you'll definitely love to hear us talk about and even give some of our opinions about. Actually, you know what? Next week we're going to be talking about one of the biggest Raws and probably one of the best Raws in recent memory, that being Raw 1000. And then yes. we'll, fi- we'll finish the series with Raw 25. So, oh. 
That's going to be absolutely awesome. So two weeks away, guys, we'll be talking about Raw 25, and we'll kind of give like our thoughts and feelings on how Raw has kind of either stepped up or stepped down. Because there's some points you'll definitely see where it has definitely drastically stepped down, but there's still some points where it's like, okay, they're definitely stepping up their game. But, guys, we got to take a little quick commercial break, and when we come back, it's all about predictions for not one, but two events. So, guys, stay tuned. Bear with us. We will be right back. Everybody, this is Will Tarashek, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Coda Jacobs, the crusader and visionary behind a brighter future in wrestling. If you're an honorable and noble public servant like myself, you are listening to the Game Changer Podcast. <laughs> Damn. Gosh, I, I it's been a long time, I think, since I played the John Cena theme song on this show. So, bringing back old traditions, I guess. Welcome back to the Game Changer Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is hashtag Pro Talk Wrestling. Two pros talk about wrestling because we can. we got to do a shout-out to our boys, to our main people over at the Wrestle Attic Radio Network. Where did I put my notes? Where did I put my... There you are. Follow them on Twitter at 4th Wallcast for the 4th Wall Wrestlecast. You have Nacho Mama Soap Opera at not underscore opera. The Gift of Podcast at Gift of Podcast. And the guys over at the Kings of the Rings Podcast, K-O-T-R underscore podcast. If you want to get in contact with them personally, guys... On their Twitter pages, you can definitely follow them. On their personal pages, send them some likes, send them some love. Also, be sure to send K- King Ricky some hate, just because I said so. Uh. <laughs> I just I just keep starting these wars against them. It's like, what has he done to me? I don't know. I, I just feel like doing it. I just feel like doing it. <laughs> I, I feel like stirring the pot for some reason when it comes when it comes to the king. I'm sorry, King. Ricky, Ricky, Rose, there you go, you got your sound bite for the show, 
Leave me alone. No, I'm kidding. He hasn't. He hasn't contacted me about that. All right. So we actually have two events that we definitely have to talk about for predictions. First off, is the final show before All Out, and guys, it's gonna be awesome because I'm gonna be there for it is AEW Fight for the Fallen that takes place uh, July 13th. Uh, this Saturday, it probably has already happened by the time we've done this, so, again, if it's great, hooray! If it's crappy, well, bollocks. But, they have stated that this is an event that all proceeds will be donated to victims of gun violence. That is actually really cool to actually see that. And even though some people might be like, meh, about the card itself, it's still for a really good cause, and I still think they're going to put on a really good show no matter what. So, Basically, what I'm going to be doing here is I'm just going to go through the list of matches. We'll definitely kind of, you know, give our you know predictions, and I think that there's only going to be I think there's only going to be one match up here that's going to main event it. I think it's going to be a tag team match, to be honest with you. And we have three of them on here, so let's get into it. Starting with the pre-show, we have Sunny Kiss taking on Peter Avalon with Leva Bates. A lot of people don't know who that is. That is indeed. Blue. I was going to say the blue gal. What did you think I was going to say? The librarians? Oh, the librarians. Oh, shit, that's right. Oh, my gosh. I'm doing the fucking shush gimmick here. Uh, I hate the librarians so much. (laughs) Okay, so so I guess we're in agreement. Sunny Kiss? Yes. uh, Sunny Kiss is going to defeat Discount Neville. (laughs) Because this guy looks exactly like a dollar store Neville pack, whatever you want to call him. Fair enough. But also, Sunny Kiss is amazing, so we're just going to yes. put that in there. Yes. All right. Next up, we have Jimmy Havoc, Darby Al- Allen, and Joey Janela taking on MJF, Sammy Guevara, and Sean Spears. Whoo! Baby. Wow. That, that, is good. that is a lot to take in. That's a really good six-man to put on a free show. Haha, see what I did there? <laughs> um... Uh, for this one, I'm going to go with the team of uh, MJF, Sammy Guevara, and Sean Spears. I think that, especially with what happened at Double or Nothing, MJF is going to definitely be one of those guys that is going to be a major league player as well as, I would say, a really good upper mid-carder. So I think that he gets the pinfall victory here. But, Mr. Fretz, are you in agreement, or do you have something that might shift the tide and cause a different you know, decision when it comes to this matchup? here maybe maybe we'll see something with uh i i'm obviously joking and what's the opposite of fantasy booking here but if you were on twitter this week and noticed uh a certain former wwe and nxt superstar had a quote-unquote confrontation with the bad boy joey janela at a blink 182 show and we see enzo come out of this please god don't um MJF is going to get a pinfall here because he is better than all of you. Fair enough. <clears throat> Next up, we have a three-way tag team matchup where the winning team will advance to all out for an opportunity at a first-round bye for in the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament. So we have the Dark Order, Angelico and Jack Evans, as well as the team of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Oh, Lord help us. This is going to be good. Oh, my gosh. So, Dark Order featuring Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. And Helico, Jack Evans, 
Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus. I'm just going to say this right now. I'm not bet- betting against the Luchasaurus. So Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus for me. That's who I got yep. winning. I mean, literally, Luchasaurus is the Mexican Undertaker. What more do I need to say? <laughs> Holy crap, yeah, you, you, you nailed that one, dude. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've seen very, very little of him, and and actually very little of Jungle Boy, you know, son of the late Sideshow Luke Perry. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I had a backup pick, maybe it would be the... the the Dark Order, formerly known as the Super Smash Brothers. Uh, Nintendo getting the lawyers. <clears throat> yeah. Wait, is that them? The Dark Order? They're known as the Smash Bros or something? Yeah, I think I think I think that was the team that uh debuted after the uh, after the after the best friends versus and Helico Jack Evans match. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that was them. We could be one hundred percent wrong and somebody's like, No, it's not them, it's somebody else you know what? We're still new to AEW, so sue us. Whatever. <laughs> uh, next matchup we have on here is SoCal Uncensored. Frankie Kazarian, Scorpion Sky with Christopher Daniels in their corner, taking on... SCU! 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 Uh, taking on the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon, and Phoenix. <laughs> Mr. Fretz, who have you got in this one, and why? Uh, Lucha Brothers, just because. <laughs> uh, I'll, for this one, I'll go with... Uh, SCU on this one. All right. I think I think that they're going to be kind of like the matriarch tag team next to the Young Bucks. Not taking any away from the Lucha Brothers. They put on one hell of a matchup with the Young Bucks last month. Holy crap. Um, I just think that SCU is definitely going to be a tough team to beat. And I think the, the Lucha Brothers are definitely going to get a title run in here soon. I just don't think it's going to happen now. I see it being maybe the Young Bucks versus SCU in the finals. Who knows at this point. We'll see what happens. Uh, we have Adam Page taking on Kip Sabian in a one-on-one matchup here. Uh, for me, this is kind of an easy one. I'm picking Adam Page. He needs the Page. momentum going into All Out. He needs to have a good showing. So, Adam Page all the way. Bye bye. Nope, wrong guy. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I'm going to pick uh, DDP here. <laughs> All right, so next matchup we have on here is Brandy Rhodes taking on Allie, and I believe this is Allie's first singles match in AEW as well as Brandy's, if I'm not mistaken. I think it is. So one of the first, it's a debut singles match for both of these women here in AEW. So, oh Lord, help me! This is actually a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought I had, I thought I had a prediction for this. Um, I'm just picking Allie. You're picking Allie? Yeah. Uh, Damn it! I don't. I don't want to pick it. I don't want to pick against Allie. We just got back on good terms. Damn it! I'm picking Brandy. I know I'm a horrible person. Please don't hate me, Demon Bunny. Please don't hate me. Up next, and blocked. <laughs> guarantee. As soon as this episode goes up, they're gonna listen and be like, "Yep, blocked." <laughs> and they'll even show it when I probably meet him at All Out. Who knows at this point? Uh, we have Kenny Omega taking on uh, Kaima. In this matchup, Shima, 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 thank you. However, yeah. Uh, okay, Omega versus Shima. I mean, do we do we pick against Kenny Omega? Mm, no. Yeah. Again, it's another situation where Omega needs the momentum going into All Out. He's going to be fake, taking on John Moxley. I mean, we're definitely going to see John Moxley have some kind of presence in this matchup. Either 
during the match or post-match. Hell, for all we know, it could even be pre-match. It's John Moxley. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's going to have something to do here. Unless he's, like, uh, at a random indie event. Like, he wrestled Killer Cross a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Boy, howdy. Damn. Damn! <laughs> Jinx. All right. Final matchup we have on here, guys, is the Rhodes Brothers versus the Young Bucks. Boy, howdy, this is going to be an awesome matchup. Oh, also, I stand corrected. Uh, it'll be Allie's first main show appearance on here. She was actually on the pre-show for Fight for the Fallen, but she's actually going to be headlining the show with Brandy Rose for the first time, so this will be interesting, actually. But, all right, like I said before, um... Oh God, Rhodes versus Young Bucks. I'm literally, I'm literally gonna flip a coin. <laughs> he, uh, heads Rhodes, tails Bucks. All right, I want to see if the hell well this works out. Heads. Going so for the Rhodes, Rhodes Bros. Yeah, I'm agree. I. Mm, you know, no, I'm I'm agreeing with that. I'm I'm definitely going with the Rhodes as well. It just. <sighs> As much as I think that they would go with the Young Bucks picking the victory here, you gotta let Dustin have one big victory before he ends his career. I think that it should happen here. So, let's hope that happens, and let's just hope that nobody decides to wreck Cody Rhodes' shit like they did last time. No more staples, no more stitches for the guy. Let him be. Leave him be. (laughs) Alright guys, so we go from... uh, we go from this to the, oh boy, the very interesting events known as Extreme Rules. Boy, this is going to be very interesting. So, hey, hey. yeah. Uh, although I won't get the card for this, we should also mention there is a Evolve special, the Evolve 10th anniversary show on the WWE Network at the oh. exact same time as Fighting for the Fallen. Oh, yeah, because so, they're not threatened by AEW at all. Uh, well, no, because Evolve is an indie promotion. I mean, WWE is just helping them out, right? So, uh, I know Tyler Breeze is going to be in this. Uh, King of Kings of the Rings probably covered that on their show. I'll find out tomorrow if they talked about it because I know Ricky goes to a lot of Evolve shows. So um, yeah, so that, that's a lot of wrestling to watch this weekend. And I probably, when I come back here to record with you next week, Lord willing, uh, I'll probably still haven't watched all of them. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. All right. Uh, let's get into these uh, matches here for Extreme Rules, you guys. Taking place this Sunday on the WWE Network for the low, low price of $9.99. Shut up. Shut up about your $9.99 bullcrap. Uh, first up, we have for the Raw Tag Team titles, the Revival taking on the Usos. Even though this is a weird matchup because the Miz was the one who pinned one of the Revival members, so wouldn't it make more sense for the Miz to get a title shot? And probably have our truth team up with them. Awesome truth. Oh my god, our sub truth getting the tag team titles would actually be amazing. Um, but you know what? I digress. So we have Revival versus Usos. I'm picking Revival. There's no way that they're going to drop the belts here. Say yeah. <laughs> I think the say yeah means that it's agreements. <laughs> we go on all day, all night. All my proud southern people who are ready to fight say yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Revival, obviously. Up next, we have Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley in a last man standing matchup, literally because they could not stand after the brutal encounter that they had this past, uh, one of the past episodes of Monday Night Raw. Mr. Fretz, who have you gotten why? No contest. Double knockout. Wow. Another no contest. Hmm. Be kind of interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with Braun Strowman on this one. I think that they're going to give a decisive winner here, and I think it's going to go to the monster among men, Braun Strowman. I'm just going to take the safe bet when it comes to this. But uh, next matchup we have on here is for the United States Championship, as we have the Prince Puma himself, the king of high-flying, Ricochet battling against the Prince of Phenomenal, AJ Styles. Oh, this matchup is going to be so good. Mm. I think that it's going to go to Ricochet. I think Ricochet picks up the victory here. I don't think they're going to put the belt on Styles yet. Oh, man, that's so, so, so tough. Yeah, Ricochet. <laughs> uh, up next, we have the matchup that has literally had one of our friends, the one and only, I believe, Kate Murphy, going absolutely crazy about so many daddy moments because we have Aleister Black taking on Cesaro. Originally, we thought, we thought that we were going to get Aleister Black versus Randy Orton. In this one, we got a swerve, and it was the best kind of swerve because literally... They're taking a chance on Aleister Black versus Cesaro, and I love it. Uh, Mr. Fretz has chosen Aleister Black. I'm in agreement with him. Even though I would love to see Cesaro pick up the victory, I do think that they're going to put on a really good matchup between the two of them. It, it's going to be a show stealer, like <sighs> right, right away. Like it's like I kind of thought. Like everyone's just like you know, oh Cesaro, what the hell? Bray like, Wyatt. It's like okay. Bray Wyatt is a returning character, so is Aleister Black. Neither of them can afford a loss, I think, at this point. So, I think that's a few that is best saved down the line, like Survivor Series, Rumble, Hell, Mania. Yeah. Ooh. The the emphasis Ale- for Aleister versus Wyatt. Oh, oh I'm. Just, oh my gosh, that I'm getting chills just thinking about that. Save that for Mania. Tease it at the Rumble. Save it for Mania. We're really glad that you're our friend. <laughs> God dang it. Oh, jeez. Bray Wyatt. Did, did we miss another match here? Um, did we? Cruiserweight? Uh, no, I, I haven't even gotten to the Cruiserweight title matchup yet. Oh, okay, because I'm on... I'm on my page here, too, and... Uh, oh, when, I have a funny typo here, but I'll mention it when you get there. Okay. Well, I mean, since we've already kind of spoiled it, the Cruiserweight title matchup, we have Drew Gulak taking on the former champion, Tony Nese. Literally a shock that Drew Gulak is the champion, but you know something? I'm not complaining about it at all. But that being said, Drew Gulak is retaining, and he's going to have an awesome PowerPoint. Even if he doesn't give us an actual PowerPoint. I have here the Cruiserweight championship match, Drew Gulak. <laughs> Lark. Hey, CNET.com, spell check your shit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Gulak's going to retain here. I still think that we're going to see Mike Kanellis with the title down the line. God, I hope so. I think that would just be a beautiful thing. 
Up next, we have the SmackDown Live Tag Team Triple Threat matchup for the titles, in which the Planet's champions, the Planet's tag team, Daniel Bryan and Rowan, will be taking on the New Day, and as well as Heavy Machinery for this matchup. Mr. Fretz, who have you got and why? I got the Planet Smashers, or the Planeteers, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> nice. Uh, Captain Planet, he's our hero. He's gonna take pollution down to zero. Yeah, yeah uh, if you remember that, you're as old as me. Uh, <laughs> I want that to be their theme song now. <laughs> dear God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just to spite you. Yes, make this a thing. Make this a thing. Um, for this one, I'm gonna go with a. I'm going to go with the crazy pick, and I'm going to pick a Heavy Machinery for this one. I think that they'll pick up the Shock Victory. Maybe they'll pin the New Day, and they'll drop the tag team titles back to Brian and Rowan uh, later on down the line. But I just think, you know, Heavy Machinery has definitely been getting some pretty good momentum. Give them a chance. That's just me, though. Uh, next up, we have the handicap matchup for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross will be challenging Bailey. Jeez Louise. Um, this, this is one of those matches I think could go either way, actually. Because if they play this right, they could have us do a legit shock finish, or they could go with a predictable finish. I don't know, Fritz, what have you got for this one? Mm. Well, I am going to pick Bailey. I think uh, this Sunday we could see the return of Sasha Banks to kind of even the odds. That could be yeah, which, would, which would set up, I think, an immediate heel turn by Sasha and a Sasha Bailey match at SummerSlam. That would honestly be really cool. Um, I'm going to take another wild card pick. I'm going to say that Nikki Cross pins Bailey, and we get a feud between ba- uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross going into SummerSlam. So I'm going to go the opposite end of the spectrum, just for shits and giggles. <laughs> All right, next matchup we have on here is for the WWE Championship of the World. That being Kofi Kingston defending his title against the Samoan Submission Machine, Samoa Joe. Another crazy prediction, but I'm going for it. I say Samoa Joe walks out with the WWE title. Kofi. Joe gets a rematch at SummerSlam, wins. I could see that happening, too. That'd be kind of cool. Either way, we're ho- we're hoping that this is going to be the moment where we see Samoa Joe as champion. Damn it! Joe, 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 Joe. Bum Anyway, um, no, we have our first actual extreme matchup of the night. Well, okay, second extreme matchup of the night. Uh, that being the no holds barred tag team matchup, the Undertaker and Roman Reigns taking on Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre because Drew McIntyre deserves so much more than this pairing with him and Shane McMahon. God darn it all. Um, for this one, I say that Undertaker and Reigns wins by Undertaker pinning Shane, just so that we can see Shane basically almost get take it, rest in peace. Yes, then we get Drew McIntyre versus Undertaker at SummerSlam, because why the hell not? Let's see something awesome. He's in agreement. <laughs> yeah. All right. Finally, we have the main event, which is the last chance winners take all mixed tag team extreme rules matchups. Try saying this three times fast. 
for both the Universal Championship and the WWE Raw Women's Championship. The real-life couple of Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch defending their titles against Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. Oh, boy. Ah, Mr. Fretz, it's all on you. Who have you got and why? Seth and Becky, come on, man. Yeah, no, I'm going with Seth and Becky. If Baron and Lacey walk away with the titles, I'm going to be legit shocked. And also, so many people are going to be like, well, I'm no longer watching Raw anymore. It's like, but then they'll drop the titles the next night. Or they'll get wrecked by Brock Lesnar, that's true. <laughs> Brock, Les- Brock Lesnar cashes in on Lacey Evans and becomes the Raw Women's Champion. <laughs> oh, my lord. Oh, and Fretz is gone. <laughs> it's like so much okay. wrong with that. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so I have a theory about Brock Lesnar. All right. He is not. He is not cashing in until WrestleMania on Seth Rollins in a match against Roman Reigns. So you think it's going to be Seth versus Roman yep. at Mania, but Brock's going to cash in during that match? Yep. Uh, big bunch of irony because that happened at WrestleMania while I'm 31. There's my theory. There's my fantasy booking. Brock Lesnar is not cashing in until WrestleMania. So, Seth and Becky, obviously, but I think the ring's going to clear out and then we're going to see all sorts of spooky shit and then let me in. Ooh, so you're thinking that we'll probably get a Bray Wyatt, Seth Rollins? Oh, yes, please. Yes, please. I don't even care now. <laughs> or, another theory about Brock Lesnar, he cashes in on Kofi. I think that's one of the things that uh, Will has definitely been kind of pushing for. And that seems like the most liable explanation, to say the least. Well, it's, well, it's because Kofi Kingston is top-tier talent, right? That's true. Oh, boy. Oh, no, that's right, that's right. Damn it. I I was going down the the, the McMahon deal, and then I'm reminded that that's right, Kings of the Rings podcast did that thing. Yeah. God dang it. No. (sighs) Yeah. Anywho. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't expect that from our show. But you know something, guys? Let's go into something a little more positive. So... The last few weeks, I've definitely been talking about the fact that I've been listing a lot of my favorites uh, wrestlers as well as matches going into the 15th anniversary for SummerSlam, you guys. And guess what? We are at the final. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, we've reached the final five of the... Actually, this is the crazy part. We reached the final five of the uh, favorite wrestlers. But when it comes to the matches, we are actually going to have an extra week because I still have to decide what my favorite match by far of this year has been. And there has been a lot of really good matches this year. So, week of SummerSlam, you're definitely going to be expecting something absolutely insane. So, definitely tune into that. But, let's get right into it, you guys. So, favorite tag team. We are at the number five deal. And as I said before, guys, I'll say it again. 
basically everything else has just been kind of like, okay, you know, everything else, the ranking kind of here doesn't matter. When I had the top five, I had to make sure that these uh, listing deals matter. So for number five, for favorite tag team, goes to the team of Chris Saban and Alex Shelley, the Motor City Machine Guns. Uh, I cannot get enough of these guys, whether they're being entertaining, whether they're being in the ring. These guys are, were so vastly underrated in TNA. They were some of my favorite matches. And honestly, guys, I've mentioned this before. One of my favorite matches in TNA was the best of five series that Motor City Machine Guns had with Beer Money. Definitely check that out if you can get the chance. It's probably on Daily Motion or something like that. But it's still something you want to check out. It's one of the some of the best matches you'll ever see in tag team wrestling. Fight me. I dare you. Hashtag fight Nate. Um, like I said, just, you know, two X Division wrestlers that are really good came together. They share the fact that they're from Detroit, and they became one of the best tag teams of all time. Definitely one of my favorite teams in history. Yeah, they're... Saban and Shelly are people I watched uh, actually a lot more of before they formed their tag team. Uh, like, I remember Saban in his early uh, X Division title run, like, having the inaugural Ultimate X match, and then Alex Shelley was having that whole paparazzo gimmick. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy the both, the both of these guys' work. I think Shelley is... No, he's not Canadian, right? Or is he? Is Shelley Canadian? Uh, I'm going to look that up. Uh, I have it right. I was going to look it up too. So whoever, yeah. Anyways, yeah, I'm a. I, I like both of them. Uh, I watched a little bit of their uh, tag team run before I, you know, TNA was was unavailable to me. So yeah, it's he's yeah. I think yeah, he's American. Never mind. He's from Michigan. Oh right, Motor City Machine. Oh my god. <laughs> I must have got him mixed up with another Canadian wrestler because I have like. Somewhere in my tape collection, you actually have an old, um, do you remember a tournament called the Super 8 in the Indies? It sounds familiar. Yeah, it's an old, like, indie t- like, tournament. Like, Paul London won it one year, actually. The tape I have is him winning it, and he had Alex Shelley winning it one year. I think London and Shelley had a match in it, but, yeah, yeah, okay, he's from Plymouth, Michigan. I must have gotten mixed up. Hmm. Interesting. Never really knew that, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't really think of anything else that would uh, capitalize off of that. Um, so I guess we, for, with that, we can actually kind of go into the. Uh, damn it! Well, I don't know what I do, can do for the final theme. Uh, so we go into the favorite uh, female wrestler, and I know some people are going to disagree with this because she's not technically a wrestler, but she's also somebody that. I've gotten the chance to meet numerous times, and there's a reason why she's on this list for very reason. Uh, my number five for women is SoCal Val. Yes, I know she's not a full-time wrestler like a lot of women are. Fight me. It's my list, okay? When it, com- when it comes to SoCal Val, she was one of those people I just could not overlook. I loved her career in TNA. She definitely was able to create a very kind character, but also a very bitchy character when she needed to be. She knew how to play the face as well as the heel, 
And a lot of times you'll definitely see a lot of heel antics when you hear our podcast, which I can definitely be proud to announce that you're going to get two episodes with her in the one and only month of August. So you're welcome for those of you that are loyal Game Changer episode listeners and love the lovely SoCal Val's voice. You'll definitely hear her twice come August. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Yeah, like I said, it was very hard to really kind of take her out to, you know, not put her in the top five. And I can honestly say she's been a really good friend. She's been one of those people that I've gotten the chance to talk to. She's talked to me about, you know, her wrestling career. She's gotten the chance. I got the chance to actually meet her husband, who is one of the nicest men that I have ever met. And we kind of hit it off pretty well. It was kind of one of those things where I thought, like, well, we're probably not going to have too much in common, but it's like, no, we kind of have some certain... deals where it's like, you know, hey, we meet these wrestlers, it's really cool, it's kind of nostalgic, and then there's some points where it's like, okay, we're kind of scared of these wrestlers, <laughs> we kind of know what we got ourselves into, uh, but yeah, I could not pass the opportunity of having SoCal Val on my top five list of favorite women in wrestling. She's not someone I'm not familiar familiar with, Nate, I think I saw a little bit, of, she was like a backstage reporter at TNA, right? That is correct. Oh, okay, yeah, so I've seen bits and pieces of her career I've listened I think to a little bits and bobs of the interviews we've had with her and she's a yeah, she's a sweetheart and I think she's been doing a little bit of stuff with uh, Cultaholic if I'm not mistaken uh, well she actually works with uh, Screen Stalkers that was yeah. a part of uh, the rest Wrestle, the Talk. Wrestle Talk yeah one of the branch deals so definitely check out SoCal Val also check out Screen Stalkers those guys are really awesome they do reviews they talk about pop culture deals a lot of really cool stuff. Definitely check them out. Uh, but we'll even do a little shout-out for Cultaholic, too. Even though I haven't really listened to your guys' videos and watched them as of late, still really cool guys. Why not? But Matthew from Botchamania is on there, and he is, he is hilarious. <laughs> uh, now we go into the top five favorite male males in wrestling, I guess we'll call it. Uh, this was a guy, again, I could not have him anywhere else than in my top five, that being the Scottish psychopath, Drew McIntyre. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Drew McIntyre has been a guy that I've been impressed with since day one that he came into WWE. When he was the cho- did the Chosen One gimmick, loved what he was doing with that, still was very much entertained with him when he did the 3MB deal. I actually remember there was a match between uh, Christian and Heath Slater on an episode of Raw, that happened in Green Bay, and I literally was one of those people just screaming out, We want Drew! We want Drew! We want Drew! I'm just basically screaming out for him. And one of the biggest highlights of, you know, my entire podcasting career is the fact that I got to sit, got to uh, do an interview with him. I mean, it was just a lot of fun. He's a really nice guy, really great to, you know, get a chance to listen to his uh, stories about his career. And he definitely is very po- he's very positive, and that's really cool to hear that because there's a lot of people that have definitely been very sour about where they've you know been, and they've definitely said the fact that you know well I could have done more, I could have done more, but he was definitely one of those guys who tried to keep it more positive, and definitely felt that positive vibe from him. So very hard for me to pass up Drew McIntyre as one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Yeah, he is absolutely awesome. That's another guy that I've... I, I'm right there with you for the whole day one thing since he did the 
the chosen one gimmick, not you, Jeff Jarrett, but um, yeah, Drew, someone I thought that uh, could have had a better run in the company his first time around, but I think his time's coming up here soon. I mean, everyone's like, oh man, he's Shane McMahon's lackey again, but I think if he gets to this program with The Undertaker, and you know, Taker only works with guys that he believes in, so I think we'll eventually we'll see Drew McIntyre with some gold around his waist. I agree. I think that it might be the Universal title, but it could also be the WWE title. I personally would love to see him win the WWE title more, but that's just me. All right. Hell, I'd I'd be okay with the Intercontinental title, to be honest with you. Oh, jeez. Him versus Finn Balor for the IC title. That's a beautiful... But, no, Nakamura versus Finn. Let's do that first. (laughs) Yes, yes. I agree. That was a highlight of this past week, and we literally saw Nakamura just kill Finn Balor. He's like, I'm going to do Kinshasa to you on the outside. Okay, you're going to try and fight back? Okay. Well, I'm going to basically try to keep you outside. Oh, you're coming back in? Okay. Eat my knee again. One, two, three. Nakamura pins Finn Balor. That was awesome. That was amazing. Um, So now we are on to the... uh, Back to the past... Oh, gosh. Strong Style. Yes. Strong Style shirt by Mr. Fretz. It's amazing. Uh, Going to the... Uh, favorite 15 matches of 15 years. We are now in 2014. And honestly, you guys, there was only one matchup that really stood out to me in 2014. Uh, There were some really good matches, I think, throughout the year, but this was a match that I have such a hard time looking past because of the storyline that was built around it. The wrestling matches were great, but this one just was ahead above the rest. And that being from NXT TakeOver, our evolution, or revolution, however you want to call it, in 2014 between the NXT champion at the time, Neville, taking on Sami Zayn, Sami Zayn's final attempt to become the NXT champion. The buildup for this matchup was absolutely amazing. We saw singles matches between Neville and Sami. We saw a fatal four-way matchup between these guys. Basically, this came to a head at this event, we see Sami Zayn and Neville just laying it all on the line for the sake of the NXT Championship. And it ends with Sami Zayn hitting the Haluva kick on Neville for the 1-2-3 winning the NXT Championship. One of the greatest storyline buildups and one of the best matchups in NXT history is indeed Sami Zayn winning that title. The aftermath was just great where we see so many people just you know hugging Sami Zayn. They're saying, hey, you did it, you did it. We see... A stare down between Neville and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, he sticks out his hand, hoping to get a handshake from him. And we see Neville kick the hand away, grabs Sami, and just hugs him. In one of those moments where people were just thinking, What a dick! Oh! Okay! He decided to go for the emotional deal. That's even cooler. Oh my gosh, just that storytelling right there, and just even that moment was just great. It was basically a passing of the torch between Neville and Sammy. But it also featured one of the best swerves in NXT in which we saw Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They're on the entry, they're on the rampway. They're basically kind of celebrating. Sammy's still a bit hurt. Kevin Owens attacks Sami Zayn and he does his power bomb to Sammy on the apron, holding holding up the title, basically stating that he's coming for it. On the same night that Kevin Owens debuted, 
He made a statement for the NXT Championship. My God, was this amazing. Absolutely unreal, man. Like, you you said it best. And it was, and do you know who, do you remember who his uh, debut was against? Um, oh gosh. Um, was that Angelo Dawkins? Nope. Oh shit, I forgot who it was now. I know. <laughs> the man formerly known as C.J. Parker. Oh my gosh, that's right, I remember that now. <laughs> Juice Robinson himself. Oh my gosh, jeez. I almost forgot C.J. Yeah. Parker was a thing, but then when you said the name, like, oh, that's right, now I remember that. Yeah, the, the moon child. And uh, my neighbor just texted me, so he's right, almost ready to go to the movies. So we can uh, do the cheap plugs and... Yep. And then the go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all right, guys, I'm so... Going, we, I'm going to see Spider-Man uh, Far From Home tonight, folks. Yep, so. he, he is ready, William Gable, to be just completely nostalgic about this movie. Alright, so guys, that is going to conclude this edition of the Game Changer Podcast, a part of Wrestle Attic Radio, and guys, again, be sure to use that hashtag, ProTalkWrestling, and guys, I think we're going to try to actually incorporate that into the Monday Night Raw tweets, as well as the SmackDown tweets, and we may even just feature some of your tweets here on the show. Bring back our own version of a certain thing that you created, Mr. Fretz. I mean, I I It might be, um... I'm not going to speak for them, but Tip of the Crown could be uh, something that's going to be on the Wrestle Attic Radio Patreon in the future. But I'm not going to predict. That's not a prediction or a spoiler. That's just me speculating. So okay. if I'm if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speculation aside, we're still going to try and get you guys involved in the show as much as we can. So, guys, we're going to have that start on Sunday. Be sure to use hat. Well, actually, today is Sunday, as I'm saying that. So tonight, guys, be sure to use the hashtag ProTalkWrestling and be sure to tag us in that, and we will definitely feature your tweets here on the Game Changer Podcast. So let's get into the cheap plugs. Wrestle Attic Radio, definitely check them out on Twitter, as well as all of us, you guys. Check me out at Real FN Game. Check out Mr. Fritz at the Legendary JF. We also have the Fourth Wall WrestleCast at Fourth Wall Cast. Nacho Mama Soap Opera at not underscore opera at Gift of Podcast, the Gift of Podcast, of course. And of course, the guys over at the Kings of the Rings Podcast at KOTR underscore podcast. If you want to follow them personally on their Twitter handles, they will be definitely on their podcast pages. Just click them, boom, follow them, and be sure to give Willie T a little bit of heat just because, well, it's Will. <laughs> I've already given enough crap to Ricky, so let's give Will, Will a little bit of crap too. So yeah, but if you if you if you uh, start picking on Kate Murphy, I'm going to punch you through the laptop screen. <laughs> no, 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 because, no, because we love Kate Murphy, our our resident Rainbow B. Yes, indeed. No, I would never, never pick on. I would never pick on Kate Murphy. They are going to be on the show uh, in the future, so there's no reason for me to pick on. Kate Murphy. So, with that being said, Mr. Fretz, I know that you also do some podcasting, but for those that don't know, Mr. Fretz, like I said, he does a podcast. He does a lot of really cool stuff. A lot of this uh, content is really amazing. It's also available on Anchor, but I should not be speaking for it entirely. Mr. Fretz, where can they find your stuff? 
uh, Fretzel Mania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania is on Anchor, but as I said last week, it's kind of taken a, a back burner because of uh, me working six nights a week. Yes, night, the night shift king, that's me, because uh, I'm doing this on my, this is my first day off since Canada Day, so uh, my personal podcast is just not going to be happening for a little while. Uh, because I'm doing this one here. So if you do want to go back and listen to my backlog, it's on Anchor.fm, it's on iTunes, it's on Google, wherever uh, your podcast can be heard. I do a lot of fantasy booking reviews and and whatnot. And yeah, if you go to my pinned tweet at the legendary JF, there's a donation page to the Sick, Toronto Sick Kids Hospital Bleeding Disorders Fund. All the information's there. Uh, I'm sorry to be plugging this too quickly because I have to go to the bathroom and go to see Spider-Man. <laughs> so, guys, for the legendary Mr. Fretz, I am Nate the Effing Great. This has been the Game Changer Podcast, a part of Wrestle Attic Radio. Guys, we are here to keep wrestling real and also to change the game. Why? Simple. Because we can. Because we can. Have a good one, you guys, and we'll see you next time. Old Navy now because this week only there's a new red hot deal every single day plus up to 50% off store wide that's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles also get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in store so hurry in and get today's wow worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe only at Old Navy valid 712 to 19 select styles only $10 off valid in store only one time use excludes clearance gift card register lane items jewelry Get to Old Navy now, because this week only, there's a new red-hot deal every single day. Plus, up to 50% off store-wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also, get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in-store. So hurry in and get today's wow-worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19, select styles only. $10 off valid in-store only. One-time use. Excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry.